So, John, it's the end of 2017. What's the weirdest thing that's happened to you this year? It's so hard to choose. I mean, there was breaking my shoulder. There was having my flat annexed by a pigeon. That was a good time. Wait, have we said that on the podcast? We have talked about that, yeah. Um, yeah, I would probably say that having my flat taken over by a pigeon for several weeks was about a high point. What about you? <laughs> probably that time I had to dress you when you had a broken shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty weird. <laughs> You're a good friend. It's the weirdest thing I'll say on air. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we push the prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any, apart from in this episode, which is the end of 2017. We're going to do a wrap-up. So, I'm Harry, joining me as always is John. Hello. Nearly forgot to say you. Are you going solo this week because there's a sign <laughs> of things to come. <laughs> uh, yeah, so what we're going to do in this episode is a, it's a little special. We're going to go through every film that me and John have seen in the cinema this year and pitch little sequels to it. Yeah, because we have a nice little uh, routine going, I feel, which I quite enjoy, which is that every week we get together and we, you know, record an episode, we talk about an old film and we pitch a sequel to it each, Mm -hmm. and then we go to the cinema and watch a new film, and consequently we've seen a lot of films together this year. Mm -hmm. So this episode we're just going to go through some of our favourites and we'll just come up with some very quick, just off-the-cuff sequel ideas for some of the best and worst films of 2017. Yeah, so forgive us if it's a long episode. Sure it will be. There's been a lot of films we've we've watched it. I don't know how we've watched this many films. I, I regret nothing. I do. I re- <laughs> well, maybe one or two. Because we always go to view cinemas. And how much time do you think we've actually lost this year just waiting for all those little intro videos to finish before the film? <laughs> you know, how much it's time? Just like, we've got a 4K projector and Sony surround sound. It's like, oh God, we don't care. I timed it once. I think it takes two and a half minutes. We've got 44 films here, so... It's about two and a half hours. Two and a half hours of our year has been spent watching that little red thread go through the black leather and oh. hearing that guy say, hello. Oh, God. <laughs> watching that same thing about all the opera singers, you know, all the live things that nobody used to see. Mm. Well, I still think we've had a good year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, enjoy, I, mean, the, I enjoy the cinema. I could just do without that. <laughs> yeah, true. To be fair, we're late most weeks, so. Yeah, not late enough, though. No, we're late enough to miss all the good trailers, but we always seem to catch the surround sound Dolby thing and the voiceover mm-hmm. oh well that can be our resolution for 2018 to be slightly later to the cinema every week sure thing achievable achievable alright should we get into it sure okay so early in the year obviously our first few months of 2018 were as always dominated by Oscar films yeah so we saw quite a few of the Oscar films in January February time what was the first one we saw this year I'm not sure but can we just get La La Land out of the way okay sure so yeah that was an early one you and I went to see La La Land yeah and uh, to be fair, we walked out of the cinema in broad agreement that we enjoyed it. Yeah, at the time. At the time, yeah. At the time, but just, not that I've rewatched it, but uh, yeah, it's gone down in my, in my, in my books. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, it's been one of those... You one had of those a lot of problems with it. I did have a lot. To be fair, I, yeah, I came out of it with a lot of problems. And I've kind of gone full circle a little bit. I've not rewatched it either, but I feel like I feel a lot of the noise around it and all the stuff that happened with the Oscars and the conversations around it and the fact that it became like the film, it became kind of really overrated, but also really highly criticised, mm-hmm. made it hard to just step back and enjoy it as a piece of cinema. So maybe at some point I'll rewatch it and try and reevaluate. But yeah, I had a lot of problems with it. I didn't find the characters terribly likable. I found the sound mixing actively quite poor. Mm-hmm. What would you pitch for a sequel for La La Land then? A sequel to La La Land? 
Well, it kind of ends on kind of a bittersweet note, doesn't it? Because at the end of the film, oh, massive spoiler alert, so pretty much every film released in 2017. Just just put it out there. Yeah. Just skip any of the bits that you've not seen if you're willing wanting to see them. There'll be time codes. Yeah, yeah, well, I'll make some time codes. Oh, if, right, if, right. if we start talking about anything that you haven't seen yet, just skip that bit. But please listen to the rest of the episode because yeah, we've put a lot of work into this. Yeah, but who cares about La La Land? Yeah, yeah, if you haven't Come seen on. La La Land by now, I'm pretty sure you know basically what happens. Yeah. So Ryan Gosling <laughs> and Emma Stone... They meet, they sing, they bond over jazz, they fall in love. Then she, at the end of the film, there's a bittersweet ending where she goes off to become an actress. He opens his own jazz bar in, is it LA? Yeah. And they don't stay... Think think about it. Oh, it's so LA, yeah. Um, (laughs) And unusually, they don't end up together at the end. She marries somebody else. Mm -hmm. Is it Army Hammer she ends up married to? I don't know. Someone. Yeah, no. (laughs) I never know, nor care. (laughs) Uh, but ends with them fantasizing about, you know, having one last dance together, but ultimately going their separate ways. So, I don't know, the only thing I could think of for a sequel to this is maybe something like catching up with them in another, like, seven to ten years or something, and then seeing maybe she maybe she's been, like, chewed up and swallowed by the Hollywood system, like, she's had the ties and now she's having the devastating lows. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's been to rehab. Maybe his bar's kind of fallen out of business and stuff, and maybe they're just, like, bitter middle-aged people, and it's how they reconnect. I'd watch that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'd watch the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What nice. about you? What would you do with La La Land? I'd, do, uh, I'd remake it, but with a slightly more multicultural cast. Mm, that could work, yeah. Yeah. That would work. Then it'd be much more entertaining and uh, easier to watch. Yeah. I was thinking, there's no reason they couldn't be a multi... Like, one of them <clears throat> couldn't be not white. Yeah. But then, if, actually, it would have to be him... Because if it was Ryan Gosling, white guy, teaching a black woman about jazz, that'd be even worse. <laughs> yeah. That'd be so much worse. <laughs> but yeah, you could definitely make, make it a little bit less uh, white people explain jazz to the yeah. world. And more, a little bit less white people problems. Yeah. yeah, cool. I would agree with that. Let's make this film a little bit less, uh, a little bit less white. You know, I just think that people, when they say that they, you know, hate jazz, they just, they don't have context they don't know where it comes from jazz was born in a little flop house in new orleans and it just because people were crammed in there they spoke five different languages they couldn't talk to each other the only way they could communicate was with jazz one down 43 to go okay (laughs) jackie oh god lots of real life stories so horrible film yeah i wasn't keen on this either it was kind of boring yeah uh this one You'd clearly have to do some kind of remake, but make it not, not entertaining per se, but just easier to watch. Maybe Jackie with capital letters and it's a musical. <laughs> Jackie the musical. Sure, sure. I can okay. see that, yeah. I'd even want to keep Natalie Portman in it because <clears> I don't know if she's ever done a musical before, but I've realised watching Jackie that I find her style of acting slightly irritating. Mm-hmm. She's very like acting with capital letters. Like you can always tell she's acting. Especially in this. Very much That's in what this. the whole film was for. Yeah, it was, the, it was the most obvious like Oscar bait film. Like this is the kind of film people deride for being Oscar bait like she was just going for that Oscar mm-hmm. there won't be another Camelot not another Camelot but yeah I think Jackie the musical could work make it lighten it up a bit mm-hmm. yeah. bring in Marilyn Monroe singing happy birthday Mr President which of course happens to her husband played by Lady Gaga played by Lady Gaga um, really Monroe what Monroe I suppose it'd be stunt cast who would you cast Britney she, she's still around yeah Sure. I think that'd be better actually because Marilyn Monroe, when oh, she I'm did the outcast John on a musical thing. <laughs> well, also, well, Mar- Mar- Marilyn Monroe's not much, wasn't much of a singer. It was very like breathy, and it'd be kind of quite a good um, comment on celebrity because Marilyn Monroe did that towards the end of her career, mm. and she was kind of on the way down a little bit. And Britney Spears is obviously past her peak in many ways. Sure. Yeah, I think Britney is Marilyn. I don't know if Britney can act, but a pure singing would be interesting. Mm-hmm. In fact, the more I think about that, the more I like it. I'll take it. Cool. Right. Next film, Loving. 
I didn't see this. Oh, you didn't? You know, oh, did you not get around to this one before the Oscars yeah. at all? Oh, it was, it was it was nice. It was it was boring. Um, <laughs> it was nice. It's a very inspiring story. It's mm-hmm. a black woman and a white man in the sixties or the fifties, I think, get married in the southern states when it's illegal for interracial marriage. Maybe it was slightly earlier. I can't remember. But yeah, and then they go to court to I think validate their marriage because I think they're forced apart. Something happens. I forget. This was a really boring film. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to like it. I appreciate the story, but. I don't know how I'd make a sequel to this, really. I really don't. Because it's a true life story. And it's, it seemed like the story of a nice, ordinary couple who did a very nice thing and really tried to stay together. And it's beautiful. It's inspiring. Probably a great book. But there wasn't a lot of drama in there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Unless maybe you just made a really sexed up version of it. Like loving. Like a Barry White soundtrack. Like sweet, sweet loving. And just, just sex them up a bit. Make them a bit more passionate. Because they didn't really have a lot of that in it. So that's all I can think of. I would... Bear in mind, I've not seen the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I would do a sequel where their marriage is falling apart and they both just can't stand each other and it's called Hating. Hating. Okay, that could work. So, well, Hating in... with an apostrophe instead of a G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the only thing is that it obviously it's a real life story and in real life they did stay together uh, until one of them died. But, but yeah, totally. Why not? Let's just go off books. <clears throat> cool. So, loving. Is there anything you'd like me to say to the Supreme Court Justices of the United States? Yeah. Tell the judge I love my wife. Next. It's a difficult one. Fences. Fences, what again. happened in Fences? Uh, lots of talking. Okay, sequel, no talking. <laughs> sequel, <laughs> Fences by way of the artist. Just, just Viola Davis, just Muggins a camera. Just, like, <laughs> just all snot, no words. <laughs> I mean, she was great. I thought this was great, but it, it was a play. Mm. I remember we said this on our, if you go back to our Oscar specials from earlier this year yeah we did say that this was a good film but it was essentially just a film of a play yeah uh, and really really good acting but yeah i think maybe just a silent version or a um i can't remember how it ended can you did he die yeah maybe oh i don't know no no i'm thinking of the butler no i don't know I, I, it's gone like i, I didn't I, I enjoyed it but i think he died Sure. He did, he did, he did. Okay, yeah, I remember that. His I'm son, so excited. He's got, yeah, I don't know why I'm so excited. His, uh, yeah, his son, he, he becomes estranged from his son. He has two sons, the older son who comes and goes, and the younger son who is, he's quite abusive towards. But he's like, it's like a tough love kind of thing. Uh, and then he dies. Oh yeah, he has a baby with another woman. And that's when Viola Davis gets really annoyed and kicks him out for a bit. But then she ends up raising the baby and then he dies. She has to raise the baby and the older son, the middle son can't forgive him. Oh, he wanted to be a baseball star. Mm-hmm. I'm, re- I'm remembering all of this in real time. So maybe the sequel is like a sports movie where he becomes like a top baseball star. Sorted. Fantastic. Great. You have like Denzel Washington playing the ghost of his dad. Like, come on, son, I believe in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How come you ain't never liked me? Like you? Who the hell said I got to like you? Okay. Uh, Moonlight. Moonlight. Barrel of laughs. Um, Why did we start with the Oscar stuff? Yeah, it, it really starts things off on like a downbeat. <laughs> I mean, I loved this. I thought this film was wonderful. Yeah? No. Beautiful, beautiful film. How do you sequelize it, though? Mm-hmm. Again, maybe just like a really sexy sequel. Because right. it was it was so much like sadness and brooding, but in the end of it, it feels like it felt like they got together. It felt like it ended on like a cautiously optimistic note. I would like to do it in more of a Moulin Rouge kind of style. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a real musical. Mm-hmm. But again, a, a, a tragic romance at the same time. Okay. So one of them has to die at the end. 
Yeah, in in the sequel. In maybe. the sequel, sure. Yeah. Okay. So Moulin Rouge didn't have original music; it had like singing pop hits. So is, are you going to go with that? Like, yeah, but hip hop, hip hop, or, or whatever genre he was listening to at the end. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm... says a hip hop aficionado. Yeah. <laughs> is hip hop still a thing, or is that just the thing that old people say? <laughs> to you, from, from, come from your mouth, it sounds like something that's not a thing anymore. Like... <laughs> Kids still listen. Will Smith. Yeah, like... <laughs> Snoop Doggy Dog. <laughs> but yeah, a hip hop musical. I can see it. Yeah, that could be fun. Could be interesting. Yeah. Starlight. Oh, oh, I see. Moonlight, Starlight. Or, or, or Boogie. It could be called Boogie. As in blame it on them. Uh, yeah. I think we're making the same joke, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like somebody wrote in and said that. Yeah, I think point. that's been done. Was yeah. that for Moonlight? Or... Did, did we do Moonlight? No, we didn't. So what was that for? Oh, Sunshine. Ah, <laughs> yeah. there we go. Okay, you. I stole that joke from our Sunshine <laughs> episode. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah, Starlight. Cool. That's just a, it's a, with a soundtrack by Mary J. Blige. I don't know. Where's you, Sharon? I'm on time, trying not to remember. All right, getting there. Hacksaw Ridge. Oh, man. Well, you, you can take this one. This is such a bad Oscar season. So this is the film about the boy played by um, Andrew, Andrew Garfield, Garfield, who goes to who signs up for World War II, but he's a complete pacifist, so he won't kill, he won't wield a gun. It's essentially a Spider-Man sequel where Spider-Man spends the entire film climbing a cliff. To help some people. That is that's a, that's a good point. You could argue that this is a sequel to Spider Man. Yeah. Sort of. A yeah. bad sequel. Yeah. And then he ascends into heaven at the end, hilariously. Um, <laughs> although he doesn't die, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is Mel Gibson's Hollywood comeback. The most enjoyable thing for me about this film was when it did get nominated for lots of Oscars and Mel Gibson had to sit through the whole Oscar season, the whole Oscar ceremony, just looking really weird and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there were a few jokes at his expense, he kind of didn't know whether he could laugh or not laugh, and yeah. it was just incredibly awkward yeah and now he's in daddy's home too oh god <laughs> which we will not be seeing was there a daddy's home one i had no memory of it no <laughs> <laughs> yeah apparently well apparently it was a hit who knows um what would you do with this a remake where somebody just cuts the rope and he'll die oh bleak again this is based on a true story so all these oscar films are like so many of them are based on true stories it's hard maybe a sequel that's like the passion of the christ where because it was so, this film was very churchy mm-hmm. this was a very like christian film because mel gibson proclaims to be a very christian person mm-hmm. some might say too much so yeah maybe we discover that andrew garfield's character is in fact the re-embodiment of christ himself yeah i like With it. the laying on of the hands and the feeding of the five thousand and at the end he gets crucified mm-hmm. and it just becomes the passion of the christ okay. it ends with this yeah. horrible bleak yeah or just the same story but from the japanese perspective maybe Perfect. What yeah. did I think of that? Because this film wasn't oh. all racist. <laughs> God, it was. It was yeah. awful. Mm-hmm. So how come you don't fight? You think you're better than us? No. Yeah, see, I don't think this is a question of religion, fellas. I think this is cowardice. Could do this one, this next one, maybe. Okay. Hidden figures. Okay, this was fun. This I like this a- one. <laughs> this was a fun entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was good fun. I enjoyed this a lot. My favourite film in the Oscars last year. Maybe. I'm, I'm... Just because it's the only fun one. Yeah, yeah, it was the only one that you walk out other with than, a smile. Other than La La Land, yeah. which is fun, but then just gets worse the more you think about it. Yeah, no, this one I walked out with yeah, a smile on my face and a song on my heart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree. This was great. Good fun. That being said, what would you do with it? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult because, it, again, it's true. It's true, yeah. And there's there's no space for it to be remade. What was Taraji P. Henson's character called? Uh, Lady... Lady, well, 
<laughs> wow, Harry. <laughs> I think it was Catherine. Maybe it's something like how Kathy got a groove back. And it's the three ladies. <laughs> okay. Yeah. My favourite thing with this film was seeing Taraji B. Henson, Octavia Spencer, and Janelle Monáe. Seeing them just being together and hanging out and being fun. Mm-hmm. And it felt like at the end of the film, they got separated a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It had, to, it had to be that way because she had to be in the control room. And yeah. but, but still, the best parts of the film were those three just hanging out having fun. So maybe the sequel to this is going to be just them going on holiday, having a great time. And mm-hmm. hey, we're amazing top scientists. We've probably got a lot of money now. Fabulous. Just something like that. I don't know. Just more, more, I just want more of them having fun maybe, together. Maybe in the background, Apollo 13's happening. Maybe. Or maybe actually, maybe the sequel to this is not a sequel to this. Maybe it is just getting those three ladies together and making them play famous people from history as like a Sorted. franchise. Yeah. yeah. So who else could they play? I don't know history. They could play the Supremes. Like one of them could, Taraji course, B. Henson yeah, could be yeah. Diana Ross, so the other mm-hmm. two could be the Supremes. They could be LaBelle. You know, there's some kind of, something like that. They could be the Tina Turner story again. Mm-hmm. Something. Yeah. Or, or just colorblind casting they could play um like the rise and fall of rome one of them could be like octavian one of them could be caesar mm-hmm. one of them could be pompey um yeah i just want to see these ladies in any point in history just having fun and being fabulous i'd like that yeah that'd be really good cool all right i will have you know i was the first negro female student at west virginia university graduate school on any given day i analyzed the barometer levels for air displacement friction and velocity and compute over 10,000 calculations by hand. So yes, they let women do some things at NASA, Mr. Johnson. And it's not because we wear skirts. It's because we wear glasses. L? I didn't see it. Oh, yes, you did. Did I? Yeah, you did. What? It was the French language one about the woman who gets raped and then kind of gets kinky about oh it. Oh my God. <laughs> I oh. love it. This was my favorite film of the Oscar season. Yeah, I remember you saying, actually. Oh, mm. God. This you didn't is... like this one? No. It just wasn't fun. There wasn't enough fun in this Oscar season. No, it was very serious. It was a very yeah. serious Oscar season. But this one was... It had, like, some very dark comedy to it. Didn't people die in it? Didn't one kind of get the head bashed in? At the very end, yeah. But, like, there's definitely dark comedy in this film. Yeah. It's, it's a very... It's the kind of thing that they would only get away with because it was a foreign language film. Mm-hmm. If this was an English film, it would be so much more controversial. Mm-hmm. But because it's French, it's like world cinema. I just thought Isabelle Huppert was amazing in this. She was robbed. She should have won Best Actress mm-hmm. by far. She was incredible. Is she still alive at the end? Yes, she is. So the story of Elle is that Isabelle Huppert plays a middle-aged woman in France who is, is assaulted. She's raped. And then she kind of doesn't really tell anyone. Well, she does tell people, but she's very blasé. She doesn't go to the police. Mm-hmm. She's incredibly blasé about it. She just tries to deal with it and get on with her life. And also, controversially, she very controversially in terms of you know how people respond to these kind of stories... She's kind of turned on by it. Mm-hmm. I think she starts dreaming about it. And then the guy keeps coming back. He breaks in again and he rapes her again, I think. And then it becomes like a thing where it's like a sadomasochistic kind of relationship. And then it goes from there. And I think I, think I remember, if I remember correctly, it ends with her, him going too far and her killing him. Or somebody killing him. And... I think somebody else cottons on that it's been happening or it happened. Mm. In fact, no, she does say it at one point like, to her friends or something. She does, yeah. And then one of her friends comes around without saying that he's coming around. Oh, that's and it, because he's... She, sh- and she's in the process of being raped. Yeah. And so he just whacks him on the back of the head with, like, a fire extinguisher or something, mm. to the extent that that guy, like, his brains are hanging out. Yeah. And, yeah, he dies. It's a real chuckle fest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Oof. Again, dark comedy. Dark Good one, John. Good one. Yeah. I, I like it. I, I do like these very dark, kind of, like, challenging comedies. What would you do with it? Maybe she's searching for that groove somehow. Sorry, not the groove. 
Searching for that uh, stigma for being turned on. Just oh, yeah. something that can get a get it going. Yeah, maybe she gets really hardcore into the SNMC. And again, it's a little bit Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Isabel Huppert in a Fifty Shades movie. Yeah, so maybe it's just like all through France's like kinky sex dungeons and stuff. Just mm. the, the erotic adventures of Isabel Huppert. I'm on board. I'd watch that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. This one's barrel of laughs. Oh no, another one. We'll get to the fun stuff. The summer was all popcorn last movies. Last one. Last yeah. last one. And then it's and then it's good. But yeah. Manchester by the Sea. Oh dear God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, sequel. It was it was all hallucination. His kids are alive and well, but now he's very very traumatized and can't live with anybody. Remember? That's just the first film, apart from the hallucination bit. Oh, uh, I don't really remember. I blocked it out. Yeah. So Casey Affleck is like this lonely drifter bachelor plumber, and his brother dies of a heart attack, leaving him with a son, a teenage son who needs a guardian. His mother is not in the picture, so Casey Affleck reluctantly agrees to move back to his hometown of Boston and to help raise this teenage boy played by Lucas Hedges, who was amazing. And then it, as the film goes on, it transpires that the reason Casey Affleck's character is so distant to people is that because he was once married and had two children. And then there was a fire that was, may- was maybe partially his fault and his kids mm, both... It's not entirely his fault. I can't remember the exact circumstances, but probably. Yeah. He, he was told to put the guard around the fire and then forgot to do that. Got, oh yeah, got drunk, mm. or sorry, was already very drunk, and then in the middle of the night when the fire's still going, he went out to go and get more booze or something. Mm-hmm. Came back and his house was ablaze and his kids were dead. That was it, yeah. Uh, and then he attempts suicide, survives. Uh, his marriage obviously falls apart, and we meet him as he's like obviously in the midst of this deep trauma. And then throughout the film, we find all these things out about him, and it kind of ends on a bittersweet note where he kind of ends up telling the kids to go and live with somebody else. They have kind of a bittersweet kind of thing where they. You think they're going to probably stay friends, mm-hmm. but he just—he's not the right in the right headspace to raise a child at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's—it's it's a character study. It's Kenneth Lonergan. It's not really very plot heavy. Uh, sequel. All I could think of was because one of my favourite plot lines in this was the way Lucas Hedges' character had two girlfriends. Oh yeah. Yeah. So maybe it becomes like a broad comedy about like him juggling all these too many girlfriends, starring Lucas Hedges, and it's like <laughs> a teen national lampoon kind of you know mm-hmm. sex comedy. Right? Mm-hmm. That's all I could think of. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do. Great. Some of you can get past it. This is the same girl that was over at the house? No, that was Sylvie, and this is Sandy. They don't know about each other, so uh, please don't say anything in case it comes up. Do you actually have sex with these girls? With both of them? Well, with Sandy's mom here, it's sort of uh, strictly just like basement business. What does that mean? <laughs> it means I'm working on it. All no. right. Lego Batman. Right, now you're going to stop pulling your weights because I've not seen this one. <laughs> okay, so uh, it's Gotham again. Him and the Joker have made friends. Well, they made friends at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And maybe the Joker is not the main villain of this. Maybe they do something like the Riddler or, okay. a, te- or a team up that doesn't involve the Joker. Let's just say like the Riddler and the Penguin and Mr. Freeze or something. Was it just the Joker in Lego Batman? Well, kind of all of them, but the Joker was like the main one. Okay. So now maybe the Joker's gone off to go and terrorise somewhere else. Okay. 
Maybe we... <laughs> they finally realise there's other cities but Gotham. Like, yeah. <laughs> just move away from the problem. The problem is Batman. Move away from the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so Batman's now got to deal with the the new leaders of mm-hmm. the of, of, of the crime underworld. And he's got to he's got to form a relationship with them in some way, which he's struggling to juggle the relationship with all these evil guys, along with trying to get back into the Justice League and also trying to balance the relationship with with Batgirl. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he's, he's just he's, he's just struggling there. There's a bit of humour in it, and yeah, I haven't thought this through. <laughs> Would you say now that we've reached the end of the year, was Lego Batman the best film featuring Batman released in 2017? Without a doubt. Yeah. Cool. Was it just that and Justice League? Could have told you that at the start of the year, but yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. What have they crossed it over with another kind of game, other than Lego? Well, like Scrabble. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the first thing that came to my head, but sure. Uh, Batmonopoly. Batmonopoly, okay. They're just trapped on a Monopoly board. Like. Yeah. There must I... be a Batman Monopoly out there. No, absolutely must be, yeah. yeah. Batman's got to fight his way through all the different properties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... Maybe a crossover between Lego Batman and Gotham. Like Lego Gotham. Oh, yeah. Because I've been watching Gotham recently and I'm finding it quite funny because it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, was, I'm guessing Fish Mooney wasn't in Lego Batman. No. I imagine like a Lego Halle Berry, just like <laughs> just being just as campy and stupid. Like, yeah, that would be good. Mm-hmm. Cool. Are they making a Lego Batman too? Uh, probably. Okay. Don't know. Can't can't see them not. They're so popular and made a lot of money. So true. Lego Superman. Don't know. It's not fun than that. Mm, true. Superman's not a fun character. Well, be can be if he's made of Lego. True. I mean, he was in Lego Batman though. Okay. Was he, he fun? No. No. Your city is under attack by Gotham's greatest criminal mind, including the Riddler, <laughs> Scarecrow, Pizza Delivery, Bane, Hello, Two Face. We need that door open, baby. Catwoman. Meow meow, you're in. Meow meow. Penguin, Crazy Quilt, Eraser, Polka Dot Man, Mind, Tarantula, King Cut, Orca, Killer Ma, March Harriet, Zodiac Master, Gentleman Ghost, Clock King, Calendar Man, Kite Man, Cat Man, Zebra Man, and the Condiment King. Right, move on. Uh, Split. Oh, yeah. The sequel, back together again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the sequel, sewn. <laughs> <laughs> So this was the M. Night Shyamalan comeback in many ways. The first M. Night Shyamalan film for a long time that got decent reviews and made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. In which James McAvoy plays a character with about 17 different personalities. 23, I think. 23, was it? Who kidnaps a group of girls. Mm-hmm. And then it follows the girls as they attempt to escape and navigate the fact that he's playing like a teenage boy and an old woman and a psychopath and all these characters. And it turns out at the end that he's... All of these characters, the worst of them all is some kind of like demon, I think. Yeah, well, it's like a... Just a monster or some kind? Some kind of monster. That, felt like a sort of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing. Very much so. Dr. Jekyll and his extended family. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, at the end of the film, it turns out they've been in a fucking zoo the whole time, which just pissed me off so yeah. much. And one of the girls escapes, right? Mm-hmm. And James McAvoy, does he escape? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does, because they leave it open for a sequel and then they cross it over with another M. Night Shyamalan film. It was Unbreakable, wasn't it? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Um, which I've not seen. No. You liked this one, I did not. Yes. The best thing about this film was, was definitely James McAvoy. He was amazing. Like, he really threw himself into it and he played all these characters with complete commitments and it was yeah. fun. So, yeah, maybe I wanted to see more James McAvoy doing mm. more characters. So, What if there's another person who comes in, played by somebody else, who also has multiple personality disorder? Ooh, okay, so who's the female James McAvoy? Who could do like lots of different characters and voices? I know who you're going to say straight away. Your big celebrity crush, Meryl. <laughs> I was going to say Jennifer Lawrence, actually. Jennifer Lawrence, she's not got the range. 
I think like she's got two gears. Shouty and less less shouty, right? You're probably right. Like James like, Daisy Ridley, your favourite actress. She can't play that man. Come on, range. <laughs> I'm thinking dramatic range. Oh, oh, how about have you seen that show Orphan Black? No. Me neither, but apparently the woman <laughs> But apparently the actress Tatiana Maslany is amazing and does a similar thing where she plays a character with split personalities or or maybe she's been cloned a few times, but there's something where she's playing a lot of different characters, basically. Mm-hmm. And apparently she's amazing. So maybe like he meets his female equivalent who also has lots of different characters in her head and madness ensues and mm-hmm. they team up or maybe maybe she's a good version of that the only reason she can be the one to fight him is that she can get inside his head because she's got the same condition what well, if it doesn't need to be a, a, a female actress no no I'm just thinking of her because she's, <clears throat> she's done similar work Yeah. then it could be Michael Fassbender ooh I like that yeah. it'd, be, it'd be good sort of yeah they've been paired before obviously in X-Men mm-hmm. and he's got range he does have a lot of range yeah that could become a very weird film yeah oh yeah I like that better Fassbender McAvoy both doing lots of crazy different characters. Some characters are in relationships with some other characters. Yeah, I was definitely going to say at least one of each of their characters needs to fall in love. Of course, yeah. And have hot, hot sex. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Multiple characters do. And maybe one of them doesn't realise that they're actually having sex with the wrong person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because there's, there's good characters, there's bad characters. Mm. Maybe one or some of the characters are polyamorous. So there's all kinds of shit going on. Oh, yeah. Yes, there we go. Like it, good. Very sensitive towards the, uh, you know, the oft-stigmatised condition that is multiple personality disorder, but, uh, <laughs> as was this film. So great. Just just continuing in that vein. Fab. Yeah. If we were to make it a musical version, then I would go with the title I've got, which is Splits. <gasps> okay. <laughs> <laughs> as in doing, dancers doing the split. Doing the split or just plural split. My name's Hedwig. I have red socks. Someone's coming for you. And you're not going to like it. He's done awful things to people, and he'll do awful things to you. Great. Okay, Lion. Oh, God, another cheerful one. And another one that I don't know how you'd possibly do a sequel to it. So this was the another Oscar film, mm-hmm. the true life story of a little boy in India who was separated from his family, ended up being adopted by an Australian couple, and 15 years later used Google Maps to find his family again. Yes. Oh, that was a bad scene. This film was a lot of Dev Patel staring at Max. Yes. Like, it's a really inspiring story once again, but I don't know if it was really a cinematic story. The first half was. The first half definitely was. amazing. Was. Yeah. The Dev Patel bits were a bit dull. Yeah. I know what I'd do for this. Okay. It would just be one person cast. Mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman. She's okay. doing everything. Different wig each <gasps> You're speaking my language. <laughs> Nicole Kidman. Maine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, just a journey through Nicole Kidman's wigs because she, she was working through some rough wigs in this film. Mm-hmm. Cool, great. Do you have any idea what it's like knowing my real brother and mother spend every day of their lives looking for me? Huh? How every day my real brother screams my name. Can you imagine the pain they must be in not knowing where I am? Huh? 25 years, Luce. 25! Lovely. T2 train spotting. Oh, yeah. Uh, the unnecessary, not terrible, but still not very necessary train spotting mm-hmm. sequel. Um, catching up with them all in middle age. How did this one end? Did he leave again? Mm-hmm. So this found uh, Hugh McGregor's character. What's his character called? Ren- Renton? Is yeah, that him? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hugh McGregor's character from the original train spotting movie has. The first one ended with him stealing all the money and running off. He subsequently moved to Amsterdam, got divorced, got clean, just kind of got away from that whole kind of Scottish drug scene. For reasons, he ends up going back to Scotland where he runs back into... The gang. The gang, so it's Sick, sick Boy and... Spud. Spud and... I forget what any of the actors are called. I know one of them was in Wonder, Boy, Wonder Woman. Mm. One, one of them was uh, is 
Robert Carlyle. Mm-hmm. I forget the other one. Yeah, and so doesn't it end with Robert Carlyle's character dies, does he? Does he die? I don't Isn't remember. This was oddly forgettable, this film. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was fine. There was nothing no, I think he just went, went back to jail. Did he go back to jail? Yeah. Okay, because I remember he was hanging Ewan McGregor's character, wasn't he? And then someone... Did, did Spud run in and save him or something? Something like that, yeah. So what happened? Did Ewan McGregor leave again? I don't know. I have no memory of the end of this film. No. None whatsoever. I think Ewan McGregor went back to his parents. Maybe, yeah, maybe he did. Maybe he did. Oof. Okay, so T2 train, train spotting. Mm-hmm. Two. Yeah. T2 train spotting two. Um... <laughs> Maybe some kind of mid-call where the just he's in Amsterdam, or where all good things happen. Um, mid-call with him trying to get clean in the drug capital of the world. I was going to say, yeah, of all the places to move <laughs> if you want to get away from the drug scene, Amsterdam seems a strange choice, for sure. So maybe it's a comedy of just him running around the city, just, where are there no drugs? I want to be there. I'm really struggling here. <laughs> Help! <laughs> yeah, actually, maybe he goes back to Amsterdam and maybe Spud drops in unannounced mm. and takes him on a big bender. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm trying to get away from this man. But like, yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. So okay. it's just an Amsterdam set transposing film. Choose unfulfilled promise and wishing you'd done it all differently. Choose never learning from your own mistakes. Choose watching history repeat itself. Choose the slow reconciliation towards what you can get rather than what you always hoped for. Settle for less and keep a brave face on it. Choose disappointment. This might be difficult. Beauty and the Beast. Oh, okay. This was the live action remake starring Emma Watson. And Dan Stevens. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed this. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. It was fun. It was fine. Like, it didn't do anything amazingly different from the original. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, this is a re- reinvented Beat and the Beast. But it did what it did well. It was fun. It was well cast. Mm-hmm. It was pacey. It looked nice, mostly. Mm-hmm. A little bit dark in places. As in, like, not dark as in sad. Dark as in it physically, the screen was a bit too dark for me in the um, Be My Guest scene. Mm-hmm. But that's the only thing I remember not liking about it. Uh, I remember a lot of scenery cheering, which I always enjoy. <laughs> Especially from the woman who played the... Um, the chest of drawers. Oh yeah, she's great. In and out of in and out of character, she was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of cameos, lo- lots of good cameos. Yeah, we had uh, you and McGregor doing the worst French accent I have ever heard, even worse yeah. than mine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ian McKellen, who we all forgot was Ian McKellen until it. Oh no, we we forgot it was Ian McGregor, didn't we? We remembered it was yeah yeah. Ian McKellen plays the clock. Yeah, Cogsworth and Ian McGregor is Lumiere. Um, uh, the Tooch was in it as well. Stanley Tucci, he was. He played the. He was married to the chest of drawers. Yes, he, he was, was the piano. Yeah, yeah. And she was the, yeah. I like how the tooch is taken off. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Yeah. What would you do with this then? Any thoughts? Do the story of the uh, the witch who actually cast the spell on uh, on Dan Stevens. Yeah, that wasn't really explained. Um, and just what made her so cruel. Mm. Because she was just like, oh, you didn't let me in. Well, curse you for decades. Yeah, what Turn you she... into a beast and turn everybody who works for you into inanimate objects. Was she just going door to door with this? Like, I, I, I guess so. Yeah. Um, yeah. What What made her so cruel? I want to know. Maybe there's like some kind of we can create some kind of Disney cinematic universe where like all the wicked witches are somehow connected. There's like a coven of them. I don't know. They're all sisters. They're all sisters. Yeah. Weird sisters. <gasps> the hidden figures lot. <gasps> Fabulous. Yes. Love it. Mm-hmm. The hidden figures lot as Disney witches. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Little Mermaid in there. A little bit of Snow White. A little bit of Beauty and the Beast. A little bit of Sleeping Beauty mm-hmm. on board. Love Wait, it. who's playing Ursula? And- Actually, that, it's harder to get them underwater, isn't it? Like, it's kind of a separate world. But uh, oh, about Octavia Spencer, sure. Actually, actually yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, Octavia Spencer. Yeah. She'd be really good at that, actually. I want to see that. I I, I want to see that movie so badly now. <laughs> She'd be so good. She would. Oh, oh, somebody make that, please. The best casting we've ever come up with. Yeah. Oh my god. I need to write a letter. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck 
Forgive my intrusion, mademoiselle, but I have come to escort you to your room. My room? But I thought... Oh, what? That... Once this door closes, it will not open again. <sighs> I know. He gets so dramatic. All right, you're going to be good at this next one. Get out. <gasps> oh, yes. I love this. This is maybe... Are we going to talk about what our favourite films of the year were? Yeah, I think we'll this, this, might be, this might be up there for me. We'll uh, this, yeah, we'll get that. We'll do that at the end. Yeah, I thought this was fantastic. So, when I say fun... <laughs> like it's dark, it's really dark and it's really intense and it's really thought provoking but it does so have you a, seem to find L fun well there's a lot of controversy with this and I don't feel like I'm the person to comment on it because in the Golden Globes this has been nominated as the best musical or comedy mm-hmm. and a lot of people have said this is this film is not a comedy and that is really dismissive to the central message of the film and I don't feel like I I'm, I don't want to be the white guy who explains whether or not that is right or wrong I don't, you know but from my perspective I saw it as a very dark like a, a horror movie with some very dark comedic elements mm-hmm. like so like sat- it's a satire of racism it goes very close to the bone of what I imagine the real experience must be and there's some laugh out loud comedy there's like the mm-hmm. the side the sidekick character his best friend mm, yeah. is unambiguously hilarious yeah. like, he is fantastic so I had a lot of fun with this I thought it was great you enjoyed it too yeah yeah really enjoyed yeah. it I saw well I saw this twice in the cinema because I saw this with a friend, another friend and I was like, I have to see this with Harry because I want to watch Harry watching this film. It's one of those films that's so great to watch people watching it because mm-hmm. it's so unexpected. It goes in so many weird directions and it's so intense. But yeah, sequel-wise, I was thinking maybe rather than follow the same characters, because I feel like it had a very closed ending, mm-hmm. I think maybe have a, do it as a franchise kind of thing, like a, like Black Mirror. Okay, yeah. Like a Black Mirror kind of thing, but all about, all the different ways that racism manifests itself. Mm-hmm. With the same cast of characters, because they were all all the acting in this was amazing, but just in different circumstances. So yeah, maybe you have those same characters in different situations, maybe in different periods of time, just or different countries. I, I like the idea of that of having like them just doing all these really funny but also really dark kind of satire movies. All of them would be to some level a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It would have to have a horrific element like this film does. Uh, but yeah, I think that might work. Mm-hmm. So I can't think of exact examples, but again, plenty of opportunities for. Hidden Figures ladies to come in and be part of it as well. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to cast them in everything now. I know what you're thinking. What? Come on, I get it. White family, black servants. It's a total cliche. I wasn't going to take you there. Well, you didn't have to, believe me. (laughs) I mean, boy, I hate the way it looks. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh... By the way, I, I would have voted for Obama for a third term if I could. Best president in my lifetime, hands down. I agree. Yeah. Okay, we'll try casting them in Logan. Logan? Well, I didn't see Logan, so this is all yours. Oh. Okay, so Logan, the uh, the third film in the Wolverine franchise. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, the best. Did you say the first film in the Wolverine franchise? Third, I said. The third, okay, right. So it was Wolverine Origins. There was the Wolverine and then Logan. And this is definitively Hugh Jackman's last time at the rodeo, as far as we know. I mean, as we speak, Disney are currently buying Fox. Oh, so, okay. we'll, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. There could be a lot of changes. And maybe Hugh Jackman's in, maybe he's not. I personally don't think he will. I feel like he's from someone who doesn't watch all of these films. And I'd like to see Logan because I've heard any good things. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe it will get some Oscars and then we'll have, I'll, I'll be, have a reason to sit and watch it. But it feels like, just as an outsider, it feels like this was the best received Wolverine film by a long way. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. So this would feel like a good time for him to bow. And he's like in his mid-50s now. He can't keep that body forever. Like, yeah. let the poor guy relax a little bit. Yeah. Jesus wept. So, yeah, I, I would imagine and 
for his sake, hope he's going to like bow out now. Maybe, you know. Yeah, I very much hope he is. Yeah. Um, okay, so what do I do with this? <laughs> well, for anybody who's seen the film, there's a very obvious sequel that could and I don't think will come after it. Mm-hmm. Which is... So what's the basic plot of this in like two or three sentences? Uh, basic plot is Wolverine can't really heal that much anymore because he's getting old. There's something that's killing him. He knows what it is, but doesn't say it out loud. Mm-hmm. It's the adamantium surrounding his bones. It's been slowing down his healing factor. Mm-hmm. And so now he's... You know, he's hundreds of years old already, but now he's actually starting to get old and feel it. Mm-hmm. So it takes him a while to heal. His claws don't extend all the way. At one point, he has to sort of pull one of them out, and it's a, it's a horrible little scene. Oh, dear. He's constantly got scars with, like, pus coming out of his knuckles, and it's it's grim. There's a lot of it that's just not nice to look at. Okay. Yeah, so him and uh, Charles Xavier are living in the desert because Charles Xavier keeps having seizures, and when that happens, everybody freezes, and they can't breathe. And Xavier has no power over this, and so people just start dying. This is Charles Xavier, played by Patrick Stewart. Played by crazy, mad, swearing Patrick Stewart. Fabulous. And if you're not familiar with the franchise, Xavier has very powerful psychokinetic powers, right? Yes. Great. Okay, cool. Yeah, and so those are uh, some of the only two mutants left. Mm -hmm. Um, They're also living with, uh, oh, what's it, Stephen Merchant, who can sort of sense where other mutants are or something. I'm not really sure. Yeah, and it uh, turns out the government's been doing experiments on some people to try and create mutants again. By the way, this is in the future. Okay, um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> by the way. And uh, somehow they've got hold of Wolverine's DNA and they clone him. And then there's this this little Mexican girl who is the clone of Logan. Okay. And they go on an adventure together, essentially. <laughs> you made, The way you described it made it sound a bit like up. <laughs> <laughs> Old man, little girl, let's go on an adventure together. <laughs> Happen to be psychic, you know, trained killers. <laughs> So the sequel that I would pitch is definitely her going off by herself with some friends that she meets at the end and, well, kicking off a new X-Men in the future, but uh, trying to keep it a bit more undercover rather than, we want everybody to know our name and stuff. So, yeah, I definitely see that. Okay, that's cool. Is that the plan? Are they going to bring that little girl back into the next X-Men or are they rebooting it once again from the start? Right? They've got a couple of films coming up. There's one with the young cast coming up. Yeah, I've heard um, there's, there's a Sophie year. Turner one coming out soon. Yeah, yeah which is... Yeah. Hmm. But there's also a horror horror film coming out called New Mutants. Okay. Which looks quite good. And we'll see what happens there. There's that and there's Deadpool and then Disney's going to abort it by the time anything else comes out. Okay. So we'll see what happens. Is this Fox... Is it currently owned by Fox? Yes. Is this Fox like squeezing till it's dry before the, the sale goes through? Is this what they're doing? Like, just put as many through as possible before they get bought? Right? I think so, yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, so I can't. I've not seen it. I can't comment. But yeah, so yeah, just definitely just do a do a straight sequel with her. Do your your standard superhero movie, and it would probably be really good because she was one of the best things in this movie. Okay, and to have actual children as a superhero team, I mm-hmm. think would be a really interesting take on it. Millie Bobby Brown as an X Man. <laughs> Our standard casting, ooh, the Stranger she, Things kids. Yeah, true. But oh, how good would she be as like a young Jean Grey? Yeah, Eleven already is kind of a young Jean Grey, like the same similar kind of powers. Surely, like, you know. yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that would definitely work. Remember, That's... this is in the future, way after Jean Grey's death. Oh, okay. Well, she's like the, re- the, the well, then maybe not the new like G, as in the new actual Jean Grey, but the new, a new character, the new, the new person who has the Phoenix Force. You yeah, understand that you might later this year. Maybe yeah, exactly. But that yeah, that whatever this girl was to Logan. Great, sorted. Great, cool. I don't know how you got me here, but uh, thank you. Yeah. You can talk. You can talk. Fuck. 
Why the fuck? What, what's all this bullshit been for the last 2,000 fucking miles? Kong Skull Island. <laughs> now, this one splits us. I, this is the, the reverse of split, whereas you hated this. I loved it. I thought this was great, silly fun. Did I hate this? You came out saying, oh, I didn't like that at all. Maybe oh. you changed your mind when you thought about it. Yeah, I forgot what I don't like about it. I just thought this was good, like, just silly good fun. Like, it was stupid, it was paper I thin. But I think I didn't want it to be silly and stupid. You wanted it to be, like, a serious not, action Not film. serious, per se, but just, like, a film that is unanimously a good bit of fun. Yeah. As opposed to, like, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, no, I... Because there were definitely some bits that were just awful. Like, that bit when Tom Hiddleston grabs a sword or something, starts fighting all these birds, then mm. you get a slow-motion shot of him chopping a bird directly down the middle, it's green blood splurting everywhere towards the camera, mm. and you see him... With just like a, a deranged look on his face because mm. he just cut a bird in half, and it's all in super slow motion, and it's just weird. And I didn't want that from it. Uh, see, I did. That was the thing with action films for me, like especially fantasy-led stuff, like you know Kong and all of these monster flicks. Mm-hmm. Like I like them better when they embrace the silliness than when mm-hmm. they take themselves too seriously and think they're like making important art. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I love this because very quickly it became very apparent that this was just stupid, and they knew exactly what they were making. All the actors were just chewing the scenery mm-hmm. with absolute pleasure. John Goodman was just, you know, Samuel L. Jackson was doing the most Samuel L. Jackson. He yeah, did. he was pretty good. Yeah. It had a lot of jumps for me. Like, I was never scared because I was always laughing. I was never, I didn't, I was never invested in the characters. But there were lots of like, just like, whoa, moments. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember one that you you laughed at me because there was some pterodactyls flew out. And, oh, yeah. And I jumped like out of my seat. And then I was like, <laughs> amazing, love it. Like, <laughs> It is good when a film can make yeah. you have that kind of reaction. Mm. Yeah. It's always a good sign. Exactly. And talking of scenery chewing, John C. Riley. Oh, God. John C. Riley. That guy. Should, yeah. That guy. He's one of my favourite like actors. You know, he, if he's in something, you know you're going to have a good time. Because mm. he always knows the exact tone of the film he's making and he just like commits to it. If it's a piece of trash, he will give a trashy performance. Yeah. If it's art, he'll be amazing. He's been in like films where he's like, will break your heart. He's an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. But he also is capable of just being so silly. Mm-hmm. So, well, I guess the obvious thing is which I assume is what, where they're, what they're building to. It's Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, they are building to that. Yeah. All I want is King Kong to ride Godzilla. <laughs> like sexually? No. <laughs> like a horse. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> what, like dressage? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> just <laughs> just en- entering the Olympics. No, Godzilla's just doing a little prance. Like, yeah. <laughs> My thought for this one was perhaps to have, because the end of the of this film, Skull Island, John C. Riley in the in the film plays a guy who has been stranded on Skull Island mm-hmm. for decades, and mm-hmm. they find him and he's he's gone a bit feral. He had a family at home. He was a soldier or something, but he got trapped on Skull Island, and then the, the cast, the Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston, find him, rescue him, and with his help, they end up going back to America. He yeah. at the end of the film, he is tearfully reunited with his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I. Think like a comedy drama following his character as he struggles to readapt to the modern world after thirty years of living on Skull Island, mm-hmm. like George of the Jungle style. You've mm-hmm. never seen that film with Tim Allen, that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. a yeah. just a just just this crazy jungle man who's a bit lost his marbles a little bit, trying to like get a job and just get you know go back into the real world. Sure. I think there's there's a lot of comedy there. Mm-hmm. I like it. I would because uh, Kong Skull Island was set in the sixties or something. Mm-hmm. Just the end of the Vietnam War, wasn't it? Yeah. Whatever that was. So I would do it where 30 years later, Kong gets to America <laughs> just at the time when the the first of the recent Planet of the Apes films happens. Ooh, that's good. Mm. I like that. 
So like get a bit of a crossover with the with those sentient apes with Godzilla. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> just imagine no, sorry, with, with Kong. With Kong, yeah, yeah which... that'd be fun. Yeah, like Jesus Christ, he's a big one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did Kong Skull Island make money? I think so. Are they making a sequel? I can't remember if it was like a hit or a flop or a modest I, hit. I'm right? pretty sure they're still doing the the Kong Godzilla. Oh, it's coming. Okay, yeah. I look for. I look Which for I think it. was always the plan. Yeah, but you know, something. I mean, we'll get to the mummy. But you yeah. know, sometimes these plans go awry. Mm. But uh, oh, good. I'm looking forward. I will definitely mm-hmm. watch another one of those in the cinema. Kong Skull Island is a good example to me of a film I would never watch on TV or DVD, mm-hmm. but as a cinematic experience, just great fun. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely watch that in the cinema when it comes out. Kong's god on the island, but the devils live below us. And what are they called? Iwis won't speak their name, but I call them skull crawlers. Why? Because it sounds neat. Okay. Look, I just made that name up. I'm trying to scare you. I'm fine calling them that. Are you cool with that? Yeah, that, that seems like, that like seems the like name, a, a great name. So I like the name, so I think you... I never said that name out loud before. It sounds stupid now that I say Just you call them whatever you want. The big lizard. Thing. All right, this next one I think is all me. Uh, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, I didn't see that one. Yeah, not 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 a great one. Not not really much fun to this film. An action film without much fun. Yeah, it's just this was a remake of a is it a Japanese anime classic. Yes, I believe so. Uh, and Scarlett Johansson controversially played the main character, even though a lot of people said it should have been an Asian actress. Mm-hmm. Okay, they 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 gave a reason for it in the film, mm-hmm. which for me I think makes it worse. Yeah, just <laughs> like just accept it and own it. If whatever your choice is, don't be like, oh no no no, it's okay because. Uh, well, well, initially she was Asian, but then she was damaged, and so we we gave her a new face, and all we had were American faces. She, she's a robot or something. <laughs> that was the reason they gave? <laughs> Pretty much. It's <laughs> terrible. So what's the I mean, face? A, a different delivery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, we ran out of Asian faces. That's a bit on the nose. Um, <laughs> so what's the basic plot of this? I actually don't know. I knew she was a robot, but... Like... Uh, was she a hitman or something? I don't know. I found it very forgettable, and... By that, I, I think it's a bit sort of insulting to the source material because I know mm. that's very good, or at least it's got a very big following. A lot of people like it, and I did not care for this film. Had you ever seen any of the other Ghosts in the Shell? Material? No, not at all. So this okay. was my complete introduction to the series, okay. um, which I'm sure is a big shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've heard that people who liked the original series didn't like this film. Yeah, so, and um, this was a massive. This was a huge, huge flop. Yeah, I think in terms of money, this is one of the big money losers of the year. So yeah, yeah, um, and I remember it was promoted incessantly. We saw that trailer so much. Oh, God. Uh, all I can think of is to do a sequel where you get the same characters from this and cross them over with the same characters from The Fifth Element. Ooh, okay. It did seem like it ha- might have that vibe. I I know very little about this film, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I remember from the trailers it looked like it was in this kind of like quirky, futuristic world. So. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to see her go head-to-head with Bruce Willis. Okay. I think that'd be mm-hmm. that, that'd be an interesting fight. Okay. She'd win. <laughs> well, Bruce Willis is like in his mid-60s yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who else was in that apart from Johansson? Were there any other like, English actors or American actors or was it? Uh, there was one other guy. I've forgotten what his name is. I don't know what he's from. I hope that helps. That that Yeah. Bingo. Um, <laughs> Derek Jacobi. Great. <laughs> okay. Let's move on then. Do you remember anything about the attack? What happened? It was an attack. Terrorists. Why can't I feel my body? Mira, your body was damaged. We couldn't see that. We made you a new body, but your mind, your soul, your ghost, it's still in there. You are the first of your kind, Mira. Please, sedate her. Free fire. 
Oh yeah, this was interesting. It was a nice little film. This was a yeah. No, nobody seemed to notice. No, it kind of came and went. We just I think this was a week when there was nothing else on. We were like, let's see that, and it was actually okay. Yeah, like, I wasn't... think I'd seen a trailer for it months before or something, mm-hmm. and it's like I'm looking forward to that. I want to see that, mm-hmm. and then there were no trailers leading up to it. Yeah, and, and I was like, saw... John, I want to see this film. <laughs> I was like, sure, yeah. And we saw this in like the tiniest screen of our local multiplex. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was, this, this was by, what's his name? Ben, the director. He made, he's made a lot of films, like big cult films recently. Wilshaw? No, not Kingsley? Ben Wilshaw. Not Ben Kingsley. I imagine if it said Ben Kingsley directed this. Man, oh. Free Fire. It's, but it's Ben Wheatley. Ben Kenobi? I've just said it's Ben Wheatley. Okay, it was sure. Ben Wheatley <laughs> of uh, High Rise fame. And, um, what else did he make? He made High Rise. He made. Uh, he made Avatar. He did. Stop he made, doing this. Shut up. Uh, Star Trek. Uh, he made James Bond. Yeah. You're fired. <laughs> he made Sightseers. He made A Field in England. He made High Rise, and he made this, which is a low budget, almost like one scene essentially. There's what there's only really one set in this. Yeah. There's some build up at the start in like a car park, and then the rest of the film is entirely set in like this warehouse, mm-hmm. and it's got a bunch of. People who seem like they're too famous to be in this film. They do, don't they? It was like everyone who made this. Everyone who's in this film would just had a spare weekend. It was like, sure. Yeah. Because it's Brie Larson, shortly after winning an Oscar. She mm-hmm. might have filmed it before. I don't know. Army Hammer. Mm-hmm. You've got Killian Murphy. Mm-hmm. Cillian Murphy. We spent our entire Sunday episode mispronouncing his name. It's Is it Cillian or Killian? I think it's Killian. We said Cillian. I think it's Killian. Cassillian. Cassillian, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of very famous people in this film. There's two gangs, I think. Maybe two or three. It was two, a very two gangs and Army Hammer is just sort of like a mediator between this weapons deal that's that's going down. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, oh yeah, it turns out that one of the guys on one side had recently beaten up the other guy, or hated the other guy because that other guy just beat his sister or something. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, then it kicks off between those two, which then sparks an entire gang war. Mm. But it's a very convoluted which, plot. Which, which, which oh. Well, I don't really want to spoil it. We've said spoilers, haven't we? Yeah. Everybody dies apart from one person. Yes. Who then gets caught by the police at the end. And I wouldn't really say the most hilarious way, but I found it funny. Yeah, no, I found this film pretty funny. It was like they were playing paintball or something. Yeah. It was like the film sets up this like gang warfare situation. Everyone's armed and then they just start... They start shooting each other. People keep dying. But nobody reacts as if people are actually dying. It's all played very much for laughs. Great, got it. it. I know. Well... I'll do a remake then mm-hmm. with the cast of Spaced. Oh, okay. Yes. Where they're just doing it. Not with not with paintballs. They're just doing that thing where they go... <laughs> like slow like making the gun noises thing. with their mouths. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well, the entire film is just like that. Okay. I could definitely um, see a lot of people watching that. Yeah, this felt like it could be a Spaced film. Yeah. I just wanted more of um, Charlotte Copley's character, Vern. Mm. Uh, so my, my idea was just to do like a pre because he dies spoiler alert so my idea was just to do a prequel about his rise to power how he became because his character seemed like a really ridiculous person mm-hmm. so I was thinking maybe just do like a prequel that's just all about how he becomes like a gang like an arms trade or whatever it is he's doing yeah but that's all I had but yeah no I, I like the space idea better mm-hmm. yeah the whole cast is space slash Shaun of the Dead I really want to watch that 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 is second only to our Octavia Spencer through the years uh, <laughs> our Octavia Spencer as Ursula the cast are spaced in a, a shoot 'em up film in a mm-hmm. warehouse, like a one scene shoot 'em up, like bottle film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd watch that. I would just watch Free Fire remade by the cast of Spaced slash Shaun of the Dead. I would watch that on repeat. That would be better than the original. <laughs> okay, love it. Okay, Sold. great. Next. I'm not running a fucking pizza delivery service. Do you want the weapons or you don't want the weapons? Look. They assault rifles. You said rifles. Justine, you said rifles, doll. They're fucking rifles. What do you want? This is what was available. You're not going to find anything else of this quality or consistency on the market. 
Next film, again, this one's all on me, The Fate of the Furious. Yep, couldn't say a thing. Now, for this one, I would happily just... Obviously, this is a series, but obviously, uh, I would happily like to just remake this film and market it differently, <laughs> where The Fate has an eight in it. Okay. Because it's the eighth film. Right. The eighth film called The Fate of the Furious, and they didn't spell, they didn't spell it F8. Yeah, missed opportunity. So this is the eighth film many, in the Fast and Furious franchise. How many film series get to eight films? Not many. Like this, Police Academy... Um, James Bond, I guess, but they're not really a Star series. Star Wars now, but like, well, yeah, I, I I haven't seen this one. I've not seen any Fast and Furious films. Was this your first Fast and Furious experience? No, I've seen Too Fast, Too Furious, because that's got a great title. Yeah. Too Fast, it's the second film, Too mm. Fast, Too Furious. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's all I've seen. And then this, and uh, oh, this was just because I was in Edinburgh by myself, and I was bored, and I'd seen everything else in the cinema, and uh, yeah, this was all that was left, and... Um, God, it was so bad. Was it like so bad it's good? Was it fun or was it just boring? Nope. It, it wasn't fun. It wasn't good. It was racist. It was <laughs> sexist. <laughs> I feel like they didn't know a thing about cars. Yeah. Well. Not that I know anything about cars, but there's just some, some things in this film that just made me think like, oh, this doesn't quite feel right. And none of the actors are fun to watch, apart mm. from The Rock. Of course, yeah. He, he's, the, he's the only one who's actually, it's not interesting, but just puts a smile on your face he's got the rock i feel like the rock ha- he doesn't make a lot of films that are really my cup of tea but i feel like the rock is a movie star yeah like he has movie star charisma yeah he's well, very watchable in anything like. vin diesel who's the main character mm. is just nothing he, I, yeah i feel like vin diesel is never he never embraces his ridiculousness mm. he takes himself a bit too seriously i feel like vin diesel feels like he's making like proper movies whereas i feel like vin diesel is making silly movies and there's nothing wrong with that but he needs yeah. to like be at the level of the movies. He needs to be like, this is a silly movie, I'm going to be silly in it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like The Rock always knows what he's in. Again. Yeah. And this money, this sorry, this film made loads of money. Of course. Which... Of course. Is this the one that Charlie's friend was in? Yeah. Was she any good? Yeah, she's an alright villain actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think she's going to be in the next two Fast and Furious films. Okay. But yeah, this film made loads of money, which I got really annoyed about because, as I've said, it was no good for all those reasons. <laughs> but the film before it, Fast and Furious 7, whatever that was called, the f- 7 of the f- f- 7, no, there's, there's nothing there. No. <laughs> yeah, that made loads of money because Paul Walker died. Yeah, of course. Through it and mm-hmm. I, what, what, why was he popular? Because he'd been in the previous six. Like, okay, I, I sure. don't know. I don't know what Paul Walker was famous for before that. I don't yeah. know. If anything, one or two things. But I never really thought of him as a big movie star. No, no, he was just famous for being the Fast and Furious. I think it was. Ju- I think it was just a cathartic moment. Of, he he died like midway through filming or after filming, and it was just like everyone was like, "Let's go see the new Fast and Furious movie." There was a song that came out that was number one forever about it. And it was just it like, still really confused me that just because this actor died, that Fast and Furious Seven got to the fourth highest grossing film of all time. Mm. Which is very impressive. Yeah. Obviously, it's been knocked down a couple now. Thank God. <laughs> but yeah, Fast and Furious, The Fate of the Furious has got quite high as well. I think it's in the top 20. Yeah. I don't get it. I, think I these... really hope that the ninth one doesn't, that maybe everybody saw the, the eighth one because number seven was good. I don't know. I didn't see maybe it, it was, so I can't yeah. say. But maybe maybe the magic's over and it'll just no, die. No, maybe we're just not the audience for this kind of film. Probably. That's, yeah. that's probably I've, it. I think, I think there is. I know people who like these films are very passionate about them. Yeah. I think maybe it were just not the target audience for Fast and Furious films. Yeah. I think it's for ve- it's for very very light. You know. I think I've just got a um, personal grudge against them because Fast and Furious Seven did so well that it knocked Aven- Avengers: Age of Ultron out of its number four spot. Um, which. Uh... Damn you. Because <laughs> <laughs> it went Avatar, Titanic, Avengers, Avengers. It's brilliant. Yeah. Now you got a stupid car movie in the middle of it. Yeah. 
I, I, I'm looking forward to the day that Avatar gets knocked off the perch. Yeah. I really thought it was going to be Star Wars Force Awakens, but mm. I, I don't know. I don't think anything can do it. Maybe Last Jedi will. No, well, Last, Last Jedi is not going to make more than The Force Awakens. You reckon? Force Awakens was the first Star Wars film for like 15 years. Mm. But now people know they're good. Yeah, but people were expecting... Well, I, I don't know. We'll see. I hope I hope it comes and I hope it's not Avatar 2. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I'd like it to be uh, Avengers Infinity War, but... I don't, I, don't, I don't want it to be a Marvel film. Yeah, I don't really see it. I being, just want something to come out of left field really and just make that. all the money. Right? Like Free Fire. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> just everyone that week is like, you know what, there's nothing else on. <laughs> as long as it's not a DC film, that'll, that'll sure, be all right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what was your sequel idea to that again? Uh, remake it, but just have a just spell fate with Nate. But you've told me nothing of the plot. I don't know anything of the plot. There's mm. cars, they drive it. Uh, Charlie Theron is the, is the villain. She's taken over a nuclear submarine or something the cars race the submarine the submarine catches up all these supercars okay. I've seen the, the poster where the submarine yeah. is moving through ice or something or through the road it's like moving through something solid Yeah. and all the cars are driving away and it looks silly yeah. uh, Vin Diesel nearly sacrifices himself so that a heat seeking missile can hit, fr- hit shot from the submarine hits the submarine Nice. he nearly dies and he doesn't die and the submarine is disabled, but doesn't sink. So Charlie's Theron can still live to fight another day. And then they're all happy, and they go back to their families. And I don't know the Rock has a very bad line at the end of the film, but I forget what it is. <laughs> <laughs> is it like a bad pun? Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe cross. I've not seen this, but maybe cross it over with like car. Maybe the cars gain sentience. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Or we like Knight Rider. So just something with the cars. Like It seems like the cars are the main draw of these films. So maybe the cars have their own personalities at some point. Yeah, cross over with the, with the Pixar franchise, Cars. Yeah. Where just all of a sudden it happens and the cars are now in charge. So would this mean that Vin Diesel and The Rock and all of those would become CGI'd? Or would the cars just have the voices of the cars? Or would it be both? Would it be like a, a Roger Rabbit situation where it's a mix well, of the Well, I don't think that the cars in Cars actually have a space inside them. So I'm just going to say that all characters are just killed straight away. Okay, great. <laughs> How did you find me? You want to see the old town? Watch. Resourceful. You got a lot to answer for, Cypher. You put my family through. My mother. I'm going to make sure that never happens again. To anyone. There is only one flaw in your plan. What's that? Only one of us has a parachute. Alien Covenant? Oh, this was a letdown. <laughs> I hadn't even seen Prometheus. Yeah. So Prometheus th- I was, this was my first Alien film for a while. Oh, this film annoyed me. This one really annoyed me. Because all the characters were so fucking stupid. Apart from one. Fastbender? There we go. Yeah. Oh, oh he saved the movie. Like, he made it. Yeah. <laughs> Fastbender was all I enjoyed in this. Just yeah. for that kinky flute playing scene. Yeah. Just, I don't know what that was, but I you loved blow, it. No, I'll do the fingering. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> heaven. That was, that was worth the price of admission, right? <laughs> yeah. So this is the fifth, sixth alien movie. Sorry, did you say the price of admission or submission? Price of admission. Okay. Oh, both. Both. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Fastbender. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, so this is like the fifth, sixth Alien film? Uh, Alien... Aliens. Not counting Alien vs. Predator and all that kind of bollocks that isn't really canon. Uh, a- a- alien 3, Alien Resurrection, Alien vs. Predator 1 and 2, yeah, whatever. Uh, then Prometheus, and then, yeah. 
this. So this is Rid- and Ridley Scott was directing again. Yes. And so this film finds a new crew of people. It's a prequel. Well, it's a sequel to Prometheus, isn't it? But it's mm-hmm. a prequel to all the Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver ones. Yeah. So it's a new crew headed by the really bland girl from Fantastic Beasts. So where to find them? Oh yeah. Did we not? Was that not this year? Is that on our list? It was November last the year before. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that bland girl, Catherine Waterston, mm-hmm. she's the captain. Uh, James Franco's in it for all of 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. And then he dies. Yeah. He could have been so good in this. Yeah. He would have at least been fun. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, because everyone was really bland in this. It was her, it was, was it Danny McBride? Yeah, it was. Yeah, he, he, was, he, was, he was okay. But yeah, it, it was a very like generic cast and they all act really stupidly and they land on a planet. They're carrying a bunch of human embryos to start civilization anew, I think, or something. Mm-hmm. And then they find another planet that might work. And they're like, well, let's go to this planet instead. And then, surprise, surprise, this planet they land on is full of aliens. Mm-hmm. And they all get killed off quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's the whole plot. Michael Fassbender's a robot, like he was in Prometheus, apparently. No, Michael Fassbender is two robots. In this one, he's two robots. He meets himself. They have this weird, yeah, homoerotic flute lesson. And then he swaps places with himself. And ev- the evil Fassbender robot ends up winning the day and killing all the crew. And we presume, like, yeah, taking the alien... Taking the alien embryos onto another planet. Yeah. Which is not the planet from Alien 1. No. Because that was the planet that was in Prometheus. So now they're just doing other stuff. I think what we're getting at is this was a very convoluted movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, it had no likable characters apart from Fassbender. He wasn't mm-hmm. really likable, but he was watchable. I don't even know what you'd do with this. I mean, they're going to do another one, presumably. Because so, this, again, made money. All right. All right. I can do this. Okay, cool. So... There's another colony, another ship of colonists that are coming along, and they bump into Fassbender's ship. Okay, sure. And so they communicate just like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, oh, yeah, everything's fine here, nothing to look at. Mm, we're going to send a boarding party across. So they send a boarding party, and then they start getting killed off one by one by these weird monsters that nobody ever sees. And it turns out it's those embryos that Fassbender sort of puked up at the end. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. And so they start murdering all the crew one by one, and yeah, maybe maybe Fastbender's just like, oh no, you're all getting murdered. What a shame. Oh, I'll try and help. I'll, I'll shut all the doors just 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 in the nick of time. And he doesn't shut all the doors in the nick of time. He keeps trapping them in with all these monsters. They keep getting killed, and then the film ends with everything in the same situation as it started, where Fastbender's in charge. Mm, great, cool. Just more of the same. <laughs> and it's called Alien Seven. More of the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. I can see that. I don't think Catherine Waterston... I think she was supposed to be the new Sigourney Weaver. She was not. She was boring. Who would you cast as like a new Sigourney Weaver of current Hollywood ladies? Emily Blunt. Ooh, I like that. She'd be good. Yeah. She'd have to really... Because the thing with Sigourney Weaver is she really went there physically. She was quite bulky by mm-hmm. the second film. Like she really got built a lot of muscle up and stuff. Mm-hmm. As Emily Blunt is very petite. But I can see... As an actress, I like that. She's mm-hmm. good. She's got personality. She's smart. She's... Yeah, oh, I can see that. She's done a few action films. Yeah. She did Sicario. She did that one with Tom Cruise. Yeah. I like it. Emily Blunt, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely a better choice than Catherine Waterston. Yes. Cool. Well, the Alien franchise has been littered with weak female characters that are trying to be Sigourney Weaver and Alien 1. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know whose idea it was to cast Winona Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she's never a bad choice. No, she probably wasn't that. Hold it like so. Nice and easy. Now compress your lips to create your embouchure. Enough for the tip of your little finger. And blow into the hole gently. Like so. Watch me. I'll do the fingering. Go on. 
Next film. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Well, this is another one that's all on you. I didn't oh, see this one. God. This I saw is... the first one, which was fun, but you this, didn't... This is difficult because it's so seriesed. Serialized. Serialized, whatever, whatever <laughs> the word is. Hey, it's late, I'm drunk. Okay, so I'll set it a little bit before one of the post credit scenes. So Groot is not quite baby Groot, but he's not quite teenage Groot either. He's toddler Groot. Oh, okay. I reckon toddler Groot probably getting a lot of sticky situations. So most Ooh, people... TV series. A TV series. Oh, like Muppet Babies. Sure. Don't, don't know what that is. It, it was a TV show about the Muppets, but as babies. So yeah, so yeah, in this film, obviously, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy film, one of the breakout characters was Groot, which is mm-hmm. the animated uh, big tree. tree voiced by Vin, Vin Diesel. Diesel. Yeah, Vin Diesel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he dies at the end, very sad, of Guardians One, and but he's he's rebirthed as Baby Groot in the second one, mm-hmm. which is very cute. Mm-hmm. Didn't see the film, but I imagine he played heavily into it. So, uh, did you say there's a sequence where a post credit scene where we see teenage Groot? Yes. Okay, so you want to put your sequel in Just between a, that? Yeah, a little bit before that because it's not really much more to go at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and able the, the Guardians go off on a, another new adventure. Yeah. Uh, no, I like the idea of the adventures of Baby Groot as like a, a, a children's TV series. Oh, it's so just Groot. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Just maybe he meets other Groots. Are there don't, any other Groots? Don't, is he the I don't, don't think there are any. We haven't seen any or any hint no. of any. Is there any explanation of who he is or how he is? Like No, nothing at all. Maybe a Groot origin story then? Nah, I like a TV series of like toddler Groot. Yeah. Like a Nickelodeon series or something. Yes. Mm. Yes. I like it. I like it. Good. There we go. Solid. Cool. The fate of the universe lies on your shoulders. Whatever you do, don't push this button. Because that will set off the bomb immediately and we'll all be dead. Now repeat back what I just said. I agree. No! No, that's the button that will kill everyone! <sighs> okay. Pirates of the Caribbean 5, Salazar's <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> this was a high point in our cinematic year, wasn't it? <laughs> oh dear. I'm sure there was this week there was something better that I was like, should we watch this? And you were like, no, I really want to watch Pirates of the Caribbean. I was like, all right, fine, are you sure? Did I? I'm pretty sure you put it. I don't think so. No, I think I had something I wanted to watch, something like a bit Indian cool, and you were like, no, I want to watch Pirates of the Caribbean. I was like, fine, if you want to. Maybe I just really didn't like whatever it was you were trying to push at me. I'm not sure what that was. I'll have to go back. I really did not enjoy Pirates 4. No. And uh, this one was better than Pirates 4, to be fair. Okay. I didn't uh, see Pirates 4. I've seen one through three. Just the fact that it was titled Salazar's Revenge. Like, we come up with better titles than that. <laughs> I can't remember who Salazar was. Uh, it was the bad guy. What was he? It was uh, Javier Bardem, was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I remember now. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what happened in this? Well, Javier Bardem's after um, Johnny Depp for some reason, because nobody likes Johnny Depp. Yeah. Johnny Depp at the time is stealing a bank. Literally stealing a bank. Literally. Not robbing a bank as in taking money from the bank. He steals a whole bank. Yeah. In a massive, stupid action sequence, his crew don't believe in him because he doesn't have the Black Pearl. Mm-hmm. The Black Pearl is just in a jar. Oh, yeah. It's like a ship in a bottle. Yeah, Barbosa. Barbarossa. Bar- 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 Barbara. Bar- Barbara Streisand. Barbara, Stra- Barbara Streisosa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he is. That's the Jeffrey Rush character, right? Yeah, that's Jeffrey Rush. He's, uh, what is he, leading a fleet mm-hmm. of. Pirate ships. Yes. And he has now got one of those stupid wigs and a very fancy golden ship and he's the best pirate on the seas or whatever. Mm. Uh, Unless it isn't Javier Bardem's character cursed to wander the seas forevermore as the undead. Yeah, I think so, but I'm pretty sure that's the plot of every Pirates of the Caribbean film. <laughs> yeah, I felt like this was going over a lot of old ground. Mm. And they run into, is it is it Orlando Bloom's and Keira Knightley's son? 
Yeah. Who played him again? Don't, nobody. Nobody famous. Uh, was there a girl as well? Yep. Again, nobody. A uh, nobody. Okay. And they are they brother and sister. I know she. En- no, she ends up being no, Barbarossa's get, daughter, doesn't they, she? They, yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. She does. They get together at the end. They do get together at the end. Yeah. Yeah, um, but you do think they're brother and sister for the majority of the film. Yeah, I thought that. I think I thought that was going to be like the it twist. It felt very incestuous. Yeah, yeah, I vaguely remember now. This um, was a very forgettable like fifth series in the franchise. Orlando game. Bloom was in it, but with nobody else. Yeah, like he was clearly just green screened onto onto the set. Yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, what's her what, what's her face? Kira. Kira Knightley mm. was. My biggest laugh of the whole film. I think she was in it with Orlando Bloom. I think they were I think they together. met up on a soundstage in yeah. like London, like months after the filming had wrapped. And she's like, yeah, you can have me, but I'm not, I'm not speaking. Why, why was she there? How much was she paid for that? It, it, it did end a pretty disappointing film on a big Maybe laugh. Maybe they thought, wait, if, if Star Wars can get Luke Skywalker at, at the end and he has no lines, we can do this. Yeah. Kira is our equivalent of Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Oh, God. The thing is, this film made over $800 million. Yeah, these films are, like, idiot-proof. How has that done so well? I don't get it. Because it's a family film, and people just people, and it's a franchise, and people just keep coming and Who keep still coming. likes Johnny Depp? Well, we saw it. It's because of people like us. Yeah. Well, people like you, people dragging people like me along with it. Maybe they just picked a good weekend. Probably there was nothing shit. else out, yeah. Also, remember the Paul McCartney cameo in this? Mm. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> He's literally singing as well. Yeah. He does everything but put his <sighs> thumbs up to the camera. It's hilarious. Oh my god! He, he was it's, like, it's, like, it, it's the ultimate example of how to do a film badly. It really is. It, I don't think this film gets anything right. So, sequels. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean six. Uh, Jeffrey Rush is actually alive the whole time. Barbara Streisand is fine. <laughs> he didn't drown. I would like to, based purely on the fact that you keep calling him Barbra Streisand, I would like to just remake this film with the same plot again, with some pirate who's cursed, who's sailing the seven seas, with who lusts for revenge against Johnny Depp, but it is in fact Barbra Streisand playing that, playing that role. <laughs> yep, sure. Oh, who else can we get? Let's just do a casting thing for this. Yeah, 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 sure. So we've got Barbra Streisand, who else? Are we talking like rock and pop stars egregiously cameoing in these films? Like, you know, because yeah. you, you, it started with what's his face from the Rolling Stones? Yeah, who as Johnny Depp's dad, Keith, um, Richards. Keith Richards. He was actually pretty good. Yeah, he like was. He, he wasn't like he was fine, and it was clever casting because people have always said Johnny Depp is like the young Keith Richards, especially he was doing an impersonation of Keith Richards mm-hmm. in the original Pirates of the Caribbean film. So yeah, it was fun stunt casting. He didn't embarrass himself. Great. Then Paul McCartney wanted to do the same thing, and it was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Barbara Streisand would clearly be amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tim Blake would actually be really good, I think. As an Orlando Bloom cat style? Definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, sure. Sort of uh, like quite, quite straight yeah. as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Justin Timberlake and Streisand. Adele? Adele as the love interest. <clears throat> uh, for Justin Timberlake. Well, not for Barbara Streisand. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be quite something, yeah. Okay, yeah. So she's the Keira Knightley? Yeah, maybe. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know if Adele can act or has any interest in acting, but I would like it if she just played... I could see it just being, like, very common. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, yeah, I was going to say common, but I was going to say, like, cock, yeah, like, a very cockney, like, being herself, you know, yeah. but as, as a character, like, yeah. So lots of swear, lots of, like, oh, fucking hell. Like, oh, no, no, maybe she's really posh, but behind okay. the scenes. She's, <gasps> she's playing, yeah, she's playing, like, a lady. Yeah. She's, but, she in real, but she's trying to disguise the fact that she's actually a, yeah, a... a a, a very broad cockney as she does in real life exactly yeah well she never pretends to be a lady she's only ever herself but yeah um, <laughs> I mean when she's singing when she's singing of course yeah no that's fun that's fun I like that her mother must be played by Cher fine I was thinking, you're going to have Barbara Strauss and you have Cher mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah, just I think just the next Pirates of the Caribbean film should just be all. It should be like the just, late seasons of like Will and Grace when it's just all just celebrity queens. cameos. It's just all celebrity cameos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. Uncle Jack, Jackie boy, how's it going? Can't complain really. You? I've been waiting all morning in here for a beating, but the service is terrible. Shameful. Jack. The oceans have turned to blood. Best to stay on dry land where it's safe. I'm about to be executed on dry land. Good point. Did I ever tell you the one about the skeleton? Yes, you have many times. The skeleton goes into a bar, orders a beer and a mop. <laughs> Funny as ever. <laughs> Wonder Woman? Oh, your body language went a bit downhill. It but did, didn't it? Compared to Pirates of the Caribbean, I thought this was fine. Pirates of the Caribbean was fun to actually talk about, though. Wonder Woman... Yeah, it's just fine. It was fine. It was fine. I don't think it's the greatest film ever made. Yeah. Not the greatest action film ever made. Probably not even the best action film this year, but it was fine. I have heard some very good reviews from it from a lot of women. Yes. And apparently it's very refreshing to see a woman in that role on screen. Yeah, I agreed. Where it's almost always a man. Yeah. I almost wish she'd been a little bit more proactive. It felt like Chris Pine's character was kind of leading the charge quite a lot. That was the only thing I would say. She felt a little, um, at times... Well, stupid is a very extreme word, but sort of in the fish out of water kind of very way. Very naive, but they didn't really play it for laughs. It was just kind of... They didn't play it for laughs. I'd a say. little bit. No, they could have done... I don't know. Like when she's walking around the city with a sword and shield. Oh, true, true. Oh, they did. Yeah, they did. I um, but I would compare that quite similar to the first thought, mm-hmm. where he is completely... This was definitely better than the first four movie. Pardon? I, I would say this Wonder Woman was ten times better than the oh, first definitely, four. Oh, definitely, yeah. I'm not, was, I'm not, I saw that recently. That film was boring. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it was the same as. I'm just saying the similar fish, fish out of water comedy yeah, is sure. quite similar in, uh-huh. the, in the two films. I thought there were some really lovely shots in this. The shot of her walking through No Man's Land. Yeah, that was, was amazing. really too. amazing. With like, mm. the bullets bouncing off, yeah. So, mm-hmm. obviously, it's for, if you've not seen it, Wonder Woman, it's set around the time of World War One. So, she's gr- grown up on this distant island some magical island that nobody ever lands on, full of amazing Amazonian women, including Robin Wright and mm-hmm. the woman from Gladiator. Oh, yeah. It was her, yeah. Uh, and then Chris Pine lands in his, the sea. In the sea. <laughs> they rescue, she rescues him, and it's world, it turns out World War I is raging. Mm-hmm. So then she leaves the island. And, to go and hunt down the god of war. Oh, that's it, to hunt down the god of war, who is, mm-hmm. her, her, who is her nemesis, yeah. Played by David Felwis, which is strange te- casting. Yeah, it is. I think it's technically her brother, or like a half-brother or something. Okay. They have the same dad, mm. Zeus. Oh, yeah, maybe. But I remember the whole thing was that she, ha- if she defeats the god of war, then war will end. Yes. That's her thought process. Yes. And then she kills the guy she thinks is the god of war. And then it's like, oh, but it's not. Yeah. And, and, and then I thought, oh, it's being really clever because there is no god of war. War mm. is just mankind. Mm-hmm. Mankind just, is just self-destructive and stupid. And I thought that was going to be her realisation. And then, no, it turns out war is actually David Felwis. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was really weird to see him. He's a good actor, but when he's like, suddenly has to be all like super built, bulky, and, you know, he's, he's got all this CGI muscle, he's like a god, mm-hmm. it's still like David Felwis. Yeah. And it's just like, but it's David Felwis. It was very it weird. It was very silly and weird, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I enjoyed this a lot. It was over long, as all these films tend to be. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a lot to it. No. But for what it was, it was... Uh, well, I, th- I think it was a fairly standard superhero movie. Yeah. And it was what people would compare to Marvel's Phase 1, where they just do origin movies. Yeah. And it worked really well for that. It was a really good origin movie. Easily DC's best movie, but they've not set a high bar for themselves. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't watch as many of these as you do, but I've seen enough now of DC and Marvel to say this felt more like a Marvel film than a DC film. Mm. Like, if you told me this was a Marvel film... Because it was brighter. I would buy it, Yeah. Because and it, it it did feel that way. It felt like it had that it had the good the right balance of comedy and pathos. The cast was generally good, good visuals, 
good the tone was right so yeah i enjoyed it yeah but i don't think it's yeah i, I don't think it's an incredible film but i think it's a good popcorn film i think it's a that, yeah, says some good that, that makes some good strides towards you know it's a solid film and i'm interested to see what they do in the sequel yeah which leads us on to the sequel the yeah. sequel what would they do in the sequel well i'm gonna go with world war Two. okay yeah which i think is the the clear sequel and mm. wonder woman dealing with the wait wait but i killed the god of war what's this about yeah guys stop it <laughs> yeah just her going through several different battles in world war Two and making that a bit of a an education for us as viewers as to what world war Two was all about okay because i for one didn't really know hitler <laughs> why are they teaching in school <laughs> 10 years ago <laughs> thank you <laughs> so nearly said these days yeah yeah maybe that could work what i wanted more of from the first film was the island I thought the best part of the film was when she was on the island with all the other fabulous Amazonians. So maybe I want a prequel. Or maybe she goes back to the island. I don't know. Although no, I want a prequel because I feel like Robin Wright's character died too quickly. Yeah. Why did they kill her off? They built her up as this amazing guy. She was. She was great. She looked great. She was, you know, she had an interesting character. I'm annoyed because now she can't be in future DC movies. Yeah. Which is really annoying. It's a real waste was... of Robin Penn, yeah. Yeah, she was really good in that. Robin Wright, sorry. She used to be Robin Wright Penn. Yeah, so maybe a prequel about her, her adventures. That, that would be my, my pick would be mm. yeah, the, that, the adventures of Robin Wright's character, you know, just, just battling Amazonian, lesbian, fabulous. Yeah, that'd be really yeah. good. Love it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Is this what passes for armor in your country? Oh, uh, well, uh, armor. It's fashion. Keeps our tummies in. Why must you keep them in? Only a woman with no tummy would ask that question. All right. <laughs> Here we go. You give me a look. <laughs> the mummy. Oh, wow, was this garbage. <laughs> <laughs> this was trash. And this was definitely your choice. Uh, yeah. Well, I didn't really think it was going to be good, but yeah, I thought it'd be, it'd be a bit, bit of fun. It could have gone either way, to be fair. Yeah. Like, it could have um, been silly fun, but... It wasn't. It was just real garbage. Like, yeah. So, what was this? This is... Uh, Tom Cruise. This is Universal's first film to actually sport the Dark Universe logo. There will not the be a second. <laughs> I believe that it is their third attempt into actually kicking off a series with their generic characters that are out of copyright. Yeah. Such as The Mummy, Dracula, Frankenstein. Because there was Dracula Untold, which had uh, Aaron, somebody who was in The Dark Knight. He played Two-Face. Oh, Aaron... I want to say Sorkin, but not. Um, no, I know who you mean. Aaron... Is it Aaron? Pretty sure. Yeah, so Aaron Sorkin was... Aaron Dracula. Sorkin of West Wing fame as Harvey <laughs> Two-Face. Yeah, that didn't really work. Oh, that was the one that finished with Charles Dance. So it came to the, the present day, for some reason, at mm-hmm. the end. And Charles Dance, who was back in the original part of that movie... Aaron Eckhart. Thank you. Um, <laughs> he was still there at the end. And the closing bit of the film was, I believe, him looking probably directly into camera <laughs> and just saying, the game is on. <laughs> and that was the end of the film and the game was not on <laughs> um, I think the the following year maybe the year after we had uh, Victor Frankenstein which was James McAvoy and Daniel Radcliffe okay nobody saw it no I didn't see it nobody cared for it um, yeah and then two years later we had The Mummy with Tom Cruise and uh, yeah that, that, didn't, that didn't really work either wait did Universal not do The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen too yeah, but that was ages ago. I know, but I'm saying so it was actually they did multiple attempts. It's never really worked, so... Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. They say that the 
sign of insanity is trying the same thing multiple times and expecting a different result. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I mean, everybody's jealous of, of Marvel with their hmm. cinematic universe because now I believe they're up to, uh, was it 17 films, including Thor Ragnarok? Yeah. Which is mental. Mm-hmm. How anybody can make 17 films and still be doing really well. Yeah. To be fair, James Bond's on 24. Much more spaced out over the space of like F- 50, 50 years, years yeah. as opposed to like 8. 10. 10, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. This could have worked, though. I mean, there have been... Have you seen the Mummy films from the ni- late 90s? Uh, yeah, I've seen the first one. I got really scared. Yeah, but they're scary and funny, and I think they get the, t- the scary, funny balance quite right, and they're good mm-hmm. adventure prompts. So it can be done. Like, this could have been good. But, oh, man, it wasn't. No. It was just... What was your biggest problem with this? With a lot of films on this list, wasn't fun. Yeah. Should have been fun, wasn't really fun. It was just... Yeah, it just felt very convoluted, and Tom Cruise, his character, was not likeable at mm. all. He was way too old for that role. What was your favourite part of this? Oh, oh, by far, Russell Crowe. Yeah, we go. Russell Crowe, yeah. <laughs> I do, in fact, my sequel idea for this is just the film that will never get made now, sadly, but the film that they were obviously trying to build to, which is Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I actually really want to see that film. Mm. It would be garbage, yeah. but it would be so much more entertaining than this was. Yeah. Which were him doing those multiple London accents and <laughs> <laughs> just chewing the scenery. And, oh, that would be I, so much yeah. fun. And again, patently being way too old for the role. Yeah. Like, him and Tom Cruise were both... Like, well, he wasn't too old to play Dr. Jekyll, but Tom Cruise was definitely too old to be playing, mm. like, the action hero in this, mm-hmm. right? And they never acknowledged it at all. No, like, there's don't. a scene where Russell Crowe actually says to Tom Cruise, which I'm sure Tom Cruise made him put in the script, you're a young man, you don't understand. I was like, I think Tom Cruise is a solid five or six years older than Russell Crowe. <laughs> like, he's not a young man. Like, yeah. He has the face of a young man, but he's not a young man. Like, all right, so, yeah, The Mummy 2, The Russell Crowe Show. Absolutely. Oh, younger man, but you'd best learn to be wary of a man like me. It's not me that wants to kill you, it's Henry. I have something more collaborative in mind. I'm offering you a partnership. You, evil incarnate. Me, your good friend Eddie Hyde. Think about it. All right, this one's, this next one's all you. Uh, the Beguiled? Oh, yeah. Beguiled? The Beguiled. The, the, the Beguiled? What? Be, it's not a word. Big you Willied? The Big Willied. The Big Willied. The Big Willied? Yeah. Tell me about The Big Willied. That's just that's just my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this was a Sofia Coppola movie starring Nicole Kidman. Have you seen any, any Sofia Coppola films? She did Lost in Translation, The Virgin Suicides... Definitely the other two. Marie Antoinette. Nope. The problem I have with Sofia Coppola is that all of her films have premises that make me think I'm going to love them. All her films like feature fabulous like women in difficult situations, mm-hmm. which is my kind of film. I like that. Women leading lives of quiet desperation and stuff. And But they always fall flat for me. The idea is always great. The execution is really always super boring and slow. Mm-hmm. And this was another example of that. It's got Nicole Kidman, Kirsten Dunst, and a bunch of younger actresses who it's in the American Civil War. And they're living in this kind of mansion and basically they've kind of sequestered themselves away from the world and they're just kind of trying to ride out the war, not avoiding contact with strangers until it all blows over, basically. So, and then an injured soldier turns up on the doorstep, played by Colin Farrell, Mm -hmm. and uh, they decide to take him in against their better judgment and nurse him back to health. Mm -hmm. And then they all get really, they really get the hot for him because he's the first man that's been in their kind of vicinity for quite a long time, we presume. So they all kind of have a crush on him. And there's just lots of very slow scenes of people giving furtive glances in darkened corridors. And uh, it's just, it's just 
the first like hour of this film is so slow and literally nothing happens that I, me and the person I watched it with both fell asleep. Like we were both like drifted in and out. Mm-hmm. But then about an hour into the film, after an hour of furtive glances and half conversations and whispering in corridors, you feel he's romancing Kirsten Dunst mostly. The Kirsten Dunst character feels like they're about to like run away together. Yeah. And then she catches him having sex with one of the younger girls, one of the much younger girls who's maybe about 15, 16. Mm-hmm. And then she gets really angry, pushes him down the stairs, he breaks his leg. And then the film really kicks up a gear because then they mm-hmm. take him up. He's like bleeding out and like passed out. And they take him upstairs and Nicole Kidman says something really campy like, fetch me the axe. And then they go and they, they take his leg off and they bind it up and he wakes up and he's only got, he's lost his leg. Mm-hmm. He wakes up and he looks down at the stump where his leg used to be. And he literally screams like to the camera like, you vengeful bitches. And then the film just goes bananas. And it becomes, <laughs> the last half hour of this film is amazing. So it's, it's Nicole Kidman putting on the heaviest, most campy, like South American accent. Mm-hmm. I need to pull some clips. It's like, would you care for an aperitif, General? It's like, I, I can't do it. It's a ridiculous accent she's doing. And, and in the end, it just gets really campy and silly where he's like, becomes alcoholic. He's, he's horrified he's lost his leg. Mm-hmm. So he just starts like rampaging around the mansion drinking heavily, abusing all the women, and eventually they just poison him and he drops dead and that's the end of the film. <laughs> it was so stupid, but by the end I was like, that film really redeemed itself. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God it got so stupid because the yeah. first half was dull. Uh-huh. So, on the whole, it was okay. There's no- <laughs> it sounds like you, you, you enjoyed it. I did, but only but I, it took a lot of boredom to get to some really good stuff. Yeah. Sequel-wise, I don't know. Like, maybe the women... All the women stay alive at the end. So maybe they become... Maybe that becomes their thing then. Maybe they become, like... Because it ends with... they. I think they bury his body and hide it or something. Mm-hmm. And then you just see all of the women standing outside their mansion. They're lo- looking into the middle distance. And it kind of pans out. And then there's dramatic music. And then the credits roll. So maybe the sequel is they become, like, black widows. And they just start inviting loads of men into the house. And it's just... Shag him, chop off a body part. Kill him, send him on the way. Like, mm-hmm. so... Well, what happens when... Otavia Spencer and Tarantula Comet. <gasps> yes! Okay. <laughs> when, when what happens bring, when they turn up? <laughs> they join the coven and they start, yeah, it, it just becomes this increasingly fabulous coven of women who just take in men and take off their various body parts and maybe, yeah, they just shag men, mutilate them and then kill them. And just, yeah, it becomes a franchise of horror. I like it. Love it. Yeah. I On board. Like it. Cool. I need rags. I need chloroform. Go to the smokehouse. Get the saw, now. Bring me the anatomy book. Can I get you anything? Give me the key. You know I'd get in trouble for that. All right, we're halfway through. 